When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For, for, for all things, things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Welcome into It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Kayla Kinnearum cannot join us tonight, so it'll be me, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwartz, breaking down a Chiefs win, and maybe a surprising one at that, not the win itself. But Nick, very simply put, the amount of points they put on the board against what was the number one scoring defense in the NFL. I remember coming into the game, them averaging nine points per game and defense allowed. And all of a sudden, they let 41 points up to the Chiefs. That's the surprising part about this game. The fact that we're even sitting here saying that that's the final score. I think we both coming into this, Nick, I, I, I use the term rock fight. I thought this was going to be ugly between two defenses playing well. And instead they put up what 72 combined points. Yeah. You know, I, I like to judge quarterbacks based off what they do in the second half, right? When the game's on the line, you have to make certain plays. I like to judge play callers based off what they do in the first half. The Chiefs had 28 points at halftime, Cody. Yeah. 28 points. So Either Andy Reid had a game plan that he was working on for months for this game, or Todd Bowles just came out with the absolute worst plan. Because in the the immediate aftermath of that one, it felt like A, the Chiefs had circled this game for a while, and B, Andy Reid, Eric B and me had a few tricks up their sleeve that they were saving specifically for this game. Well, I think the, the Noah Gray play stands out as that because the Bucks defense was completely spread out. That's the easiest QB sneak of all time. There was no one in the middle. And if there's no one in the middle of a QB sneak, it is going to be successful like 100% of the time. Like there's almost no way that it can't be in that scenario. And I guess this is what's weird is, is I, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about the Chiefs offense most of the time because this is how I felt after the Cardinals game. Like, well, they're an unstoppable juggernaut. Uh, an immovable object. No one can stand in their path. They dropped 41 against the best defense in the NFL coming into this game, which is exactly how I felt. Not the best defense part, but coming out of the Cardinals game. And then there was those two games in the middle that I really can't explain. At least the Chargers was a Thursday night divisional game. That Colts game makes no sense. Why? Why was that your offense when you're capable of doing this to the Bucks offense? Because tonight was a show. The 28 first half points was they got so that, you know, obviously they were helped out by the immediate turnover, but it took them two plays to score. Then it felt like a drive was supposed to end and Mahomes did something miraculous to make it end. And then he's making these spinning move drop passes to Clyde Edwards Alaire and everyone was involved. This was the difference from the, I'll tell you this. This is the one difference from the Cardinals game is. In the Cardinals game, Sky Moore didn't matter and he did in this game. Both running backs mattered, which was kind of huge. They got Noah Gray involved. Yes, 
but MVS had his, his longest catch of the year. Like this was a little more to me spread out. Obviously, Kelsey was the highlight of the night. He was the best player. Uh, they couldn't guard him, and that became a big problem for them. But this, this to me, Nick, felt a little more spread out. Like a little more, here's everybody. Here's our whole complement of weapons, and now what are you going to do? Even more so than probably the Arizona game. And I think that's what you have to do this year. Like to moving forward, I don't care who you're playing. We know Kelsey. We know Juju. Those are always going to be the first two options in this passing game. But if you don't think that you've got studs everywhere else in terms of receivers, your other tight ends, your running backs, you have to use everyone. You have to use everyone because you're never going to be able to put too many of your eggs in the MVS or Nicole Hardman or Sky Moore or Noah Gray, Jody Fortson, Clyde Edwards. You can never go all in on those guys having super prominent roles. Some are going to play more than others, but in terms of how you're distributing it, you've got to use everyone. That's the biggest advantage that I think you have. If, if we go back to the conversations we had in the offseason, we knew top, top heavy talent wasn't there like it's been in years past. But we thought we had more depth at that wide receiver room. Remains to be seen, but it's very clear they're trying to utilize that depth and use it as a strength. It's just kind of, yeah, it is. But I mean, it to me, this is, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care that there's this like this notion that like nobody ever saves plays. I'm not saying the Chiefs were saving plays, but I can tell you against the Colts, they ran a vanilla offense because they thought they could beat a bad team without trying. They were like, we're better, so we'll just win. And honestly, if Matthew Wright had been their kicker that night, instead of Amendola, they probably do. And then the Chiefs are 4-0, and it just dropped 41 on the Bucs, and we have a very different conversation. But because they ran the boring version, you're, it's this. here's what happens in these games is, I'm reminded that when Andy's on his shit, he cannot be stopped. Like tonight was the, yeah, that's a perfectly execute, executed game plan. Hell, the only times they didn't convert on third and fourth in the first half were drops. Clyde was wide open on fourth and one, all by himself. Like, those are the only times they didn't convert. All right, let me go through the Chiefs drive chart tonight. Starting at the beginning, touchdown, 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 turnover on downs when Clyde dropped the pass. Touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal when MVS dropped the pass interception punt, which was basically a running out the clock drive. And by the the way, the exception of those two drops, this was nearly and the interception flawless. It's, it's tough to play more perfect football than the chiefs played versus the box. Well, I honestly, the, the interception was a heat check. Mahomes was feeling greedy and he was like, you know what? I want more. I'm going to get more. He saw that stat from, you know, whatever parody account that is correctly points out stuff while also making a mockery of it. That no, at no time in Tom Brady's entire career has his defense let up 42 points. That just doesn't happen. Tom Brady's defense doesn't let up that many points because he's played on consistently good defensive teams. Wait, literally never? Never. It's wild. Um, It's a weird stat for him because if you go back through, somebody recently posted the whole list. I can't remember who it was now, but I mean, it's 
go through Tom Brady's entire career. He's been in the league a really long time. And it's like Tom Brady's defensive ranks by year. And it's just year after year of top 10. Year after year, year after year, over and over, over and over and over again. And when you're a top 10 defense, you don't really give up 42 points. And when you're a Bill Belichick defense, you really don't either. The weird part about this is that the only time that Tom Brady's teams let up 38, it's against Andy Reid. And, and again, Tom's not running the defense. It's not like that. But it's because Andy knows against Brady, he has to put it on. Because like tonight, right, they got a, they got 28 points and a half. He didn't, for, for once, Andy didn't slow down. You know why, Nick? Because Brady. He knows that if it's Brady, he has to pour it on. There is no grinding out a win or hoping for later because that's how you'll lose the way the Ravens did, right? You can't just grind this one out. They'll beat you. And I feel like when we're, you know, we go back to that whole thought of this is how we felt after the Cardinals game. I feel significantly better after this one because the quality of the defense was significantly different. I know they didn't play a murderer's row in their first three games, but the Cowboys, that was with Dak Prescott. So that should have been a better game. And then we know that the Packers can score. So there's another team that got held to 14 by this Bucks offense. And the Chiefs ran it, not, not just scored on them, Nick, but ran it down their throat. That, that seems pretty significant. So you mentioned the defense, which at times tonight, especially early, I said, wow, this is legit. I mean, the Bucks had their full complement of receivers. Yeah. Mike Evans certainly did. <laughs> he seemed pretty intent on keeping them in that game. But that was the best offensive performance that the Bucks had put up all year long. So is that just, hey, the Tom Brady and the Bucks, they're going to score points? Or do you feel a little bit worse about this defense just seeing the night that the Bucks offense had? Um, you know what? It's, it's weird because like the whole game felt like garbage time. It's really yeah. hard to judge a defense yeah. when you're always up two or three scores. Because you're just not going to play it the same way. And look, Jalen Watson got picked on a little bit, like Tom Brady pointed him out, right? Kept throwing it at Mike Evans, and he lost some of those battles because Mike Evans is really good, and so what? <laughs> like, they were constantly down two or three scores. It's like you may, it's like you may have already looked being. at this. You may have already looked at this, but do you know the final rushing numbers for the Bucs? Uh, I think they had three. Three rushing yards. Three rushing yards. On six attempts, can we do some quick math? What's the yards per carry there? Uh, a half. I believe that is a half. Yeah, <laughs> one half. Um, so Chiefs elite run defense. That's I mean that's the headline, right? The headline is they got so far down in that game they only had to throw, and look, Tom Brady can still throw it a little when the pressure mounts, and it's as a reminder still a defense without its. Best corner, maybe, in Trent McDuffie? At the very least, their second best corner, you would think. So it's, you know, like, it it sets up pretty well for Brady to attack, and they got all their weapons. They're just going to pass the entire time. Your disrespect for Tom Brady to say that he can still throw it a little bit. <laughs> he threw it 52 times for 385 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. That's Tom yeah. Brady throwing it. A little bit. I know, but it just felt like they were playing. Like, it almost felt like they were willing to concede it. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm overblowing it, but because I've got three weeks of evidence where the Chiefs defense plays good, 
in the game in which they don't need them to play their best, they back off a little, doesn't seem all that scary. The question I keep circling back around to is whether or not this is who they are on offense all year. Because we have four games, and two of them, they are a juggernaut. They're scoring 45 points a game. They're unstoppable. And in the other two games, they're averaging, what, 20 points a game? 27 against the Chargers and 17 against, so I guess, you know, and then, what, 17, right, last week and the Colts lost? Yeah, we shouldn't do the math in our heads. We're going to expose ourselves. Probably, but it's 20 points a game. So they score 40, 40 points a game sometimes and 20 points a game the other times. That feels like a pretty significant swing. But I don't know. I mean, at least tonight, it was against a real opponent who we knew was ready. Jack Barrett was talking trash the whole time in the lead up to this. This wasn't like a, we made fun of Cliff Kingsbury because it didn't seem like he had a game plan. I don't think Todd Bowles rolled into this game thinking, oh, I got it all figured out. I'm not going to have to worry about them Chiefs. No, 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 no. I mean, they're a team that had just lost an important game that are trying not to reel in the early part of the season when they don't look good offensively. I don't think they were sleepwalking into this one. That's why those. That's why it seems like this is more real than week one to me. I do think that we're. it's probably closer to this version than it is the Colts version. Maybe it's not 40 points every time, but it, it the real version of the Chiefs offense is closer to this one. Because they went about it in entirely different ways. What they did in week one against the Cardinals was what Patrick Mahomes has basically done his entire career. Pushing the ball down the field, taking shots deep. It was a horrible defensive game plan by Vance Joseph and the Cardinals. Tonight, and we're getting to this in a bit because Mahomes had a great post-game interview on the field. Uh, and he talked about the game plan. He said, I thought we had a great game plan. First thing he said was, I was getting the ball out quick. That's what we sort of thought this new look Chiefs offense was going to look like because we saw them transition into that halfway through last season. But the first three weeks, it felt like it was still sort of this adjustment period, which maybe we didn't expect because at that point, you figured they were coming into the season with the understanding that that was how they were going to have to play offense. Tonight was, I don't know, I'm cherry picking because recency bias, I'm sure people can pull up some games in the second half of last year when they really turned it on. Tonight was about as sharp as they've looked in the past two seasons in terms of committing to the short passing games. We're going to take whatever you give us. They took a few shots downfield, right? They, they took them when they were there. A couple to Kelsey, obviously the big play to MVS. For the most part, this offense scored 41 points because they diced them up with short passing plays and they killed them on the ground. Two things that have never been a staple of the Patrick Mahomes era in Kansas City. Well, they they took advantage of, because the Bucs didn't blitz a lot, they took advantage of what you want. We're not going to put anyone in the box. I was like, cool, we'll run. Um, we're not going to put anyone in the box. they've tried that before. I know. They've tried that before, and they didn't have nearly the amount of success they had tonight. I'll say this. We usually say that, like, and we're going to talk about Mahomes in a minute. We normally talk about, like, how he hears the noise and performs. The odds of line clearly heard what Shaq Barrett had to say because they were playing very motivated tonight. You, had, By the way, you mentioned that Tom Brady stat. I just saw this one come across, so it's worth mentioning. Tom Brady, Nick, is the first player in NFL history to complete 75% of his passes for 350 or more yards and no interceptions, yet lose a game by double digits. <laughs> like, wow. It's like, congrats. Uh, and it took like a kind of garbage time touchdown to make it not worse 
than just the regular double digits that it already was. They they played the the offensive line played their best game of the season. They played in line with what we thought we were getting in the offensive line. Again, that seems realistic to me because that's the offensive line I thought they were. Like we've been critical of Orlando Brown Jr. He played really well tonight. We've been critical of how Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey have played together. They played really well tonight. It's I don't know. It felt like a more of a more of a complete offensive performance, like you had pointed out, than than maybe even the one against the Cardinals, which seems shocking because that game felt like they could do no wrong on offense too. It just felt like this team was more prepared and they still couldn't stop it. So I know we're gonna talk about Mahomes here in a second, but maybe this maybe we can parlay this little nugget into our next topic here. Uh Shield Kapadia, NFL writer for the Athletic. He said the, the, he tweeted this out about uh, we're, we're recording this Sunday night, full disclosure. He, re- he tweeted this out. Yeah, earlier. this is right after the game. Uh, he said, here's where the Chiefs offense ranks through four games of the post-Tyreek Hill era. They are first in points per drive. They are second in points per game. They are first in EPA expected points added per drive. And that Patrick Mahomes is number one in that same category of EPA quarterbacks on passing plays. So through four games, we've seen two vastly different versions of this offense, but you put it all in a pot, mix it together, and this is still one of the NFL's elite offenses. It's, (laughs) they haven't skipped a beat? I don't, I mean, they have and they haven't. Because again, the Jekyll and Hyde part of this is very true. They've scored 90 So what are you buying? So what are you buying moving forward? That Mahomes is great and they'll be great because he is. Like, I, how am that's I supposed easy answer. to? I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. Look, the, the the petty version of Mahomes, when it shows up, it's unstoppable. Like, after the game, he told Vahe Gregorian of the Kansas City Star, said, hey, I didn't, you know, like, he admitted that he didn't think the loss in the Super Bowl would, would be motivation for him in the game tonight. And then he said, I showed up at the stadium and I thought, nope, I want to win. And then he took a shot at Shaq Barrett in postgame about the offensive line stuff, and I'm stunned he didn't make a third comment about how he's a selfish player based on that one article posted by the Kansas City Star because clearly he loves to dig into those little moments and eviscerate people as a result of it. uh, What's this article you're referencing? Okay, so on the Kansas City Star's web, they, they had just sent out a tweet that said... The, the exact headline of the tweet said, it's, you know, like, Patrick Holmes is super talented. If only he wasn't super selfish. That's essentially what the headline said. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? And so we all, uh, as humans, like, well, I guess I'm clicking this, only to find out it's just, it's just reader stuff. Readers wrote in letters to the editor, right? And there's like eight uh. of them. One of them is on Patrick Mahomes. And it is that one they chose to single out, send out their tweet, and then be crushed. Like, Brittany, Brittany Mahomes was, was tweeting about it. So if I think Brittany was tweeting about it, do I think Patrick saw it? Yeah, probably. So they just put all these little things together to just to send out Super Mahomes. And we should, we should know by now that if there is real smoke, like enough stuff to really, to really motivate him, never bet against him. Because for all the times he counts on his hands or talk about those things, Nick, that's who he is. And look, all that stuff is to say he was also doing some borderline incomprehensible things in the passing game again. Like, I, I, you get, you know, like, 
we can be accused in sports radio of like uh, trying to over dramatize Nick, you and I've joked off and on these things like about how like early on in radio careers, you're trying to like make a big point of like saying something eloquent. What the hell am I supposed to say to describe that Clyde Edwards, a play? He was almost sacked, then wasn't, then almost tackled, then wasn't, then jumped past one to the back of the end zone, I guess. And that isn't nearly enough words to describe what actually happened there. So I, what, do, what do you think the correlation is, really, between him having a chip on his shoulder, finding someone who disrespected him or his team, and then coming out and playing the way he did tonight? Because I do think this. We'd like to think that these football players, they attack every game the same. I know we, we sort of joke and roll our eyes about when people say trap game, but the reason they say that is because they're real. Yeah. It, you're, you're playing football for four months. There is a 0% chance you're attacking every single game the exact same way. It just does not happen, especially last week. You're going up to Indianapolis against a winless team, knowing that the next week primetime game, against Brady, against the Bucks, against the team that beat you in the Super Bowl. I don't know if revenge, I don't know if there's really any revenge because you're already two years removed from it. But I do think there's just a level of focus that guys get into. And when Mahomes enters that level, a guy who is already the most talented quarterback in the NFL starts doing things that make you wonder if they're even legal. Like that throw that that is is that on is that on the Mount Rushmore of throws in his career? Oh, you know what's you know, here's this will tell you something. Maybe. Like the fact that I have to say maybe to that should really tell you how many of those he's made. Maybe, Nick. I don't want to be conf- I don't want to without thinking about it. I'm not ready to commit to that. Because I've watched him make some pretty ridiculous throws in my life and i'm not confident enough to just blindly say yeah for sure i've never seen anybody i've never seen anybody ever make a throw like that like there have been some ones where he rips it down the field in between three defenders and puts it those are great not diminishing those but we see other quarterbacks from time to time make throws like that this is in his special tier Kind of like the left-handed pass to the Broncos back in 2018. It's like it may not be the most physically impressive thing that you've seen a quarterback do, but you watch that and you go, "Oh, well, that's the stuff that no one else in the league can do." Not you know, no, like not Josh Allen, not Aaron Rodgers. There is nobody who is making that play. I think it's correct, you know, because some of those like great running quarterbacks, they'll make some plays Mahomes can't because they're just bigger, faster, right? Whatever. Yeah. Um, like Kyler on that two-point conversion um, a week ago. It's like, okay, Mahomes can't make that play because he's just not, but he has his own his own methodology to what he makes. Because again, it's, I, I don't, like, what happens in that play is still, because this is how normal people think is, the defense at some point thinks this is over. Ben, Benjamin Solak of the Ringer actually had like the perfect screen cap of that because it's Mahomes twisted sideways, Looks like he's getting ready to be taken by the defender. Clyde is double covered in the end zone. And it's just a screenshot. And it just says, this guy is getting ready to throw a touchdown to this guy. And Mahomes is nearly down. And Clyde is double covered. And you're like, I don't I don't think so. Like, if you just saw that, you'd be like, logically, there's 
does he throw was it luck like but no it's he he does those things pretty consistently because he had the he had the Juju Smith-Schuster one too when he's like he's wrapped up that led to a touchdown drive by the way he was wrapped up on a third down and the drive was over he had a guy on his waist it was over and he well, just a little lollipop to throw over to Juju Smith-Schuster because he refuses to give up on a play and in that moment again converts it and leads to another thing. He tonight was just like we, you know, 17 games a year, we get Mahomes all the time, but there are two or three times a year where we have to start a show or in the middle of a show be like, "Okay, let's uh let's all just settle in for Mahomes appreciation time." Um yep. that was incredible. He was really angry at all the things people said and then he started doing crazy things that all worked <laughs> like we kind of have to, don't we, Nick? I mean, otherwise, it's foolish to just keep ignoring it like it's normal behavior because it's not. No, yeah, it's uh, it's where we we sometimes, like in the past couple of weeks, we said, "Oh, no, cool Mahomes plays," right? <laughs> oh, not he just threw three hundred yards, and it was kind of fine, I guess. It's like he was saving him. He was saving him, and yeah, I, you're not going to get these every week. You're not going to get these offensive performances every week. Like he gets up for certain games, the primetime games, the, the games uh, where he's trying to exact revenge. This one kind of had all of those things. And we talked about this in the Friday episode that we wondered where the buzz was. Why isn't there much buzz around this game? Is it because both of these teams are coming off of losses? And I think that probably had something to do with it. And neither team just really looked quite right. You knew one of those teams was going to have a get right game and it was definitely the chiefs a lot of the concerns or questions that you had about them at least for another week were quelled and now you get to go play the raiders next week and feels like a pretty good game to follow up this one with before i uh before we transition to a conversation a little bit about what that win means i'd be remiss if i didn't at least give you some time to talk about how just two catches on the year and another catch for Jody Fortson. And I assume you saw the same thing. There was a fan who put $1,000 on him for an anytime oh, touchdown uh, score. Legend. And won $19,000. I am, of all my accomplishments in my life or my career, <laughs> at the very top of that list is the fact that when Jody Fortson does anything, I have yeah. dozens and dozens <laughs> of people yeah. tweeting at me. Just to let me know. And it's it's always the same thing. Jody Fortson with six O's and ten Y's. Yeah. Every single time. And so then when I when somebody screenshotted that bet, a thousand dollar bet to win nineteen thousand on a Jody Fortson anytime touchdown, <laughs> which by the way, kudos to you for having a thousand dollars to just toy around with <laughs> yeah, on a Jody Fortson anytime bet. But yeah, has one people, catch on the year. Eighteen people. Yeah, but what was it for, Cody? What was that one catch for? A touchdown. Yeah. yeah. So I um I believe Matt Derrick tweeted it out earlier. Um, is it now eight targets for seven catches and six touchdowns? Do I have that right? Yeah. I that, think that, those right. are those are Jody Fortson's career numbers. He's a unicorn. He's a unicorn. His stat yeah, line makes eight. no sense. No, sorry. Okay, I got it wrong. So his his career stat line is now eight targets. Seven catches, four touchdowns in 10 games. It doesn't, 
It doesn't really make sense. And he's been targeted a couple of other times in the red zone. This year, they've thrown the ball towards him in the end zone. Actually, matter of fact, Nick, that might be the first time I watched him actually have to run yardage to get it. Yes. Like he he didn't just, he had to catch it. And then he had to still run towards the goal line. Normally, they just throw it at him while they're already, while he's already in the end zone. So he doesn't have to go anywhere. This time, he actually had to move. So kudos to him for actually having well, to like clearly- run forward. They clearly view him as a mismatch. They like we can make the jokes and say, like, okay, whatever. He's a third-string tight end. No, he has a very specific role on this team, and I would argue it's a pretty important one in that they put him on the field with Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS. You know, Noah Gray gets a ton of snaps. Like, he's clearly got a huge role in this offense as well. But when you put him on the field with all these other guys, somewhere there's going to be a mismatch. And no team is ever going to be like, allocating their resources to a guy with eight career targets. So Mahomes is looking his way. It's not just like, oh, he just no. happens to be the guy. No, they're using him in a very specific way. They want him on the field inside the 20-yard line. It's glory. I love it. Um, I just think it's funny. Like, so, so like appeal behind how we work or whatever in this industry is like, sometimes you want your name associated with certain players or their successes because when those things happen, it's it. The two players that we are the most associated with, for you, it is Jody Fortson, a guy with, as you had just said, eight career catches. <laughs> but anytime Jody comes up, you get a mention. And mine is Creed Humphrey, a center. There was a third shirt made for him today. This one by Charlie Hustle locally, just so you know, Nick. If you didn't know, there's a new Creed is Good shirt out. Oh, now it says three Creed is Good shirts. Yeah. They just have spinoffs now. So we don't know. We just, we, I liked Creed Humphrey. So, and we did as a show and we liked Jody Fortson. Alex, maybe not as much. Our co-host in Kansas City was, was a little, a little less on board right away, but you fell in love, Nick. And that's where we ended up one way or the other. The the love has not been reciprocated. Jody has never acknowledged me. We've never met. So (laughs) it's sort of just an admirer from afar situation. Give it time. Give it time. Takes time. You know, slow, (laughs) slow moving, slow moving ships. Is it? With this game tonight, because obviously they they put a bunch of points on the box, but it's an NFC opponent. We talked about the buzz going into the game, and now we know that they got eight days before they got to take on the Raiders for Monday Night Football before a short week against the Bills. So is it already too cliche, too early, to start talking about this being a statement win for the Chiefs? Because for me, it is. And it's because I didn't respect the Bucs that much going into the game. I I. I don't think they're a great team. I think they have a great defense, which is what we talked about earlier in, in the part where their offense was incredible. But I don't think they're a great team. They have very real flaws. A statement win to me was the Chargers, or if they beat the Bills in two weeks. Those will stand out to me. This Bucks game, unless they really right themselves here soon, feels like a win against a good NFL team, which are not to be scoffed at, but also I don't think I would call them statement wins. I mean, a lot of times when we talk about statement wins, you're really just talking about how is the public going to perceive you now, right? Differently, probably. Well, yeah, because it's prime time and it was the Bucks, and you put up 41 yeah. points. So everybody, uh, everybody in sports media tomorrow, tune on ESPN, tune on the NFL Network, whatever, Fox Sports, they're all going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. They are. Or maybe they'll be talking about, oh, the, are the Bucks? why is Tom Brady done, right? That's... 
Well, we did say that that was going to be that was going to be one of the conversations coming out of this was that one of these teams is irreparably broken. You know that. Yeah, because one of those teams would have back to back losses. But I don't think because I don't think it changes anything for the Chiefs. Nobody realistically was writing them off or saying that this was one of the best teams in the AFC after that loss to the Colts. It just felt like a bad game and felt like a team that was maybe kind of trying to figure out exactly how this offense is going to work in the post Tyreek Hill era. It's a statement win in that nothing, nothing terrible is going on. I don't think it's a statement win in like, oh, all of a sudden they are still the team to be. I don't believe that yet. I, I want to see them do it against the Bills. I want to see them do it against uh, you know the Bengals, some of the better teams in the AFC. Not to say that they have to prove anything, but they were what the, the fourth best team, the third best team in the NFL entering this game based off what we'd seen this year. So now the the second or the first, whatever you want to put it at. I guess my point is the only thing they could have done in this game was make you really concerned about this offense and if it's going to be able to get back to that elite level. All they did was sort of reaffirm what we kind of already thought about them, which is it looks a little different, maybe it looks a little clunky right now, but this is still Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. They're going to find a way to put up points on a pretty consistent basis. I don't, you know, I guess if you put it that way, because again, my, my initial thought is no, not a statement win. Um, but it was a statement by the offense. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll meet you halfway because it is a statement by the offense. That was, that's a good Bucks defense. Really good. Matter of fact, they've been good for years. Not just like a one-off, wow, they've had a nice start to the season. No, that's a great defense and has been great for a number of years, led by a guy who was running the defense before this moment showed up too when they were consistently one of the best defenses in the NFL and have, and you can see on the field, even tonight, in a game in which the Chiefs dominated. Devin White is a special player, and you can see it. Even when they're getting beat, you're like, wow, he's really fast, and he just gets in the backfield and makes tackles and gets in the way. He's a huge pain in the ass to other teams. You can see it. You can see it. You can see how talented he is. It's not, it's not a mystery. You're like, that guy stands out. But they still just throttled them. I think what felt good, what honestly, the, the statement part of it was, again, to me, it's just taking it to that defense in that moment. And you had mentioned the Mahomes, like, you know, primetime thing. He is like the anti-Kirk Cousins. The lights show up, the time is right, and Patrick Mahomes just goes off on teams. Like that is, you know, and tonight he became, what, the fastest to 20,000 yards, and he's tied Dan Marino for the most passing touchdowns through their first whatever game. You know it is. Like, he's at the top of all those leaderboards. It's not shocking to find that out. But it's just, it, it felt like a statement by them, Nick, to your point that you can just almost... Like, you want to just erase the Colts game from your memory. Like, that's not a real game. Because the Chargers game was an embarrassment offensively. It wasn't good, but it wasn't an embarrassment. The Colts game remains an embarrassment. And I still, you know, again, Matthew Wright tonight was two for two on the field goals and five for five of extra points. If he is their kicker last week, they are 4 0. And they're the, I guess, one of two remaining undefeated teams in the NFL because the Eagles won today, right? So. Again, we're recording this on Sunday night, but they, they won today. So, although, God, what happened? I was feeling very, I was feeling Jags fever there for a minute. They were up 14 nothing, Nick. I was like, all right, the Jags are for real. And then they stopped scoring. <laughs> Should we hand out some game balls? We did this last week. We skipped yeah, we the did. first two weeks. 
Oh no, we're not. We didn't even do game balls. Winners no, you did losers. one. Get- we've done it. We've done exactly one game ball, and only you handed it out. But we could change that. Kayla's not here tonight, but you and I, I can thought we did one, which will get us to a new record: <laughs> two game balls. I thought we handed out. I thought we gave winners and losers. Okay, we did do that. Let's. Do we'll just that. change it every week. How about we just do that? We just change it's- the name of it every single week. This is a to th- this week. It'll be winners and losers. Okay, I've got a. I've, I'll start with a winner. Okay, I've got a very solid winner here. Clyde Edwards Elaire. Yeah. And I know you could be thinking to yourself, uh, well, he had one of the biggest blunders of the game when he caught a surefire first down on a fourth and short. Understand that? First drop of the year in a pretty critical juncture. We're a month into the season now. And I know people want to do this little game where they pull screenshots of of a split second of him looking like he's running into an offensive lineman and saying that, oh, see, clearly bad vision, whatever. I'm not here to tell you that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is one of the most talented backs in the league. But this stretch of football that he has had for the first month of the year has been kind of what you were hoping to get when you yeah. draft a running back in the first round, regardless of how you're using him. All right, we can put that aside. Clyde's never going to be the guy they thought they were getting when they drafted him. But if you can be a steady chain mover and get a one two explosive plays out of the backfield per game. That's all you need him to do. And tonight, 19 carries, 92 yards, and a touchdown. He obviously had uh, the one touchdown grab uh, from Crazy Mahomes play as well. Clyde ran strong. This whole running back room ran strong. And that was part of the reason why the I think the passing game looked so good is because they actually got some assistance from the run game. In the first three games, Jarek McKinnon led them in snaps in games one, two, and three. So you're like, boy, what's going on there? This is kind of weirder than I was expecting. He only got two carries tonight. Pacheco got 11. Clyde Edwards-Alaire got 19. You chose Clyde, so I'll take the winner of Legereus Sneed, who currently is on pace to lead this team in sacks with 12 and a half. Legereus Sneed, the defensive back. You would think that that's a bad thing, but honestly, the fact that he might be the best blitzing defensive back in the NFL is a really good thing. And he did the whole nine yards acting display today. Go back, and I think it was uh, Jesse Newell who had pointed out he's he's standing up there near the line and he's messing with his helmet like, I don't know, man, guys, I'm so confused. And then he shoots through perfectly timed blitz, strip sacks Tom Brady, and that was when the game felt over. Because the Chiefs had just given them the ball, and then he immediately took it back. And you're like, okay, well, he's great. He's a great blitzer, for one. And they didn't have a ton of pressure on Tom Brady a lot of the night. But Legereus Need is great at that. So tonight, I'll give him my winner, Nick, because I feel like, I, I don't know how, but he's pacing for 12 sacks. And honestly, if he finishes with six or seven, that's an absurd number for a defensive back. And he already has three. To be honest, Rashad Fenton should have had a sack tonight as well. Yeah, he should have. He had Brady. He is let that, Brady this, shake him. Is this just going to be the way that the Chiefs manufacture a pass rush? Knowing Probably. Because the what, whatever we want to say about the defense, they have not done a good job. They're, they're, their defensive linemen are not good enough collectively to be able to get yeah. much pressure without blitzing. They're just Correct. not. I don't think that's going to change this year. So is this... Spags way of 
manufacturing a pass rush by getting LeJerry Sneed and Justin Reed and all these defensive backs involved. It's like everything else. If you do that enough, Nick, the offensive lineman might hesitate for a half second that he's coming. And if he hesitates for a half second that LeJerry Sneed is coming, then your guy might win. So I think this is the plan for now in the hopes that that hesitation will create more chances to get pressure. But also, uh, you know, Tom Brady gets rid of the ball and going into that game had faster than anyone in the NFL. So, like, if you're going to say judge the defensive line by this one, it's tough because coming into the game, they were the fifth highest sack team in the NFL. Obviously, they're going to take a dip because they only had one sack um, tonight. So they're going to take a bit of a dip in that regard. But, I mean, I, I you know, for that game, I can take a pass and just move on. My loser for the game, by the way, is... You know, see, I, here's the thing. I was going to give it to McColl because I thought, well, you know, I, he didn't light up the stat sheet. But also he was correctly, as pointed out by Chris Collinsworth, wide open on yeah. one pass play in which he could have been hit for a touchdown. Super, super easy. But I think I'll probably give it to the same guy we had just mentioned. Jarek McKinnon fell on hard way today. Not his fault. The offense went pretty perfect, and it's not to be there. But he just didn't exist in the offense, and maybe that means he won't. Um, but that that's an issue. I you know Noah Gray had the cool QB sneak, which was fun, and I'm glad that they did it. He also dropped multiple passes tonight. Like it felt like he should have gotten more in the offense and didn't. He was a guy that I would have picked on a little bit, but I was just so happy to see a QB sneak again that I can't possibly give him the loser for the day. My loser is. Anyone who said that Brett Peach is a bad drafter. Ooh, yeah. I questioned how, it. I don't know that I ever went that far, but I did question it. How many different rookies made plays tonight? Karloftis, um, early when he got in the backfield, had that tackle yeah. for loss. Brian Cook had the, the, he had a the good breakup stop. in the end zone. I know Jalen Watson got scored on, but that was just like Tom Brady to Mike Evans. Good luck. You know, yeah. most cornerbacks are getting Pacheco scored on Pacheco obviously had a big night. Sky Moore had a couple yeah, of catches. Pacheco. 11 carries, 63 yards. Every time he touched the ball, it looked like he was just stronger and wanted it more than the guy who was trying to tackle him. So he had 11 for 63. He only had 17 attempts in the first three games combined. The Chiefs as a team finished with 189 rushing yards on 37 attempts. That is the most rushing yards they've had since week four of last season when they went for 200 against the Eagles. Is this flash in the pan? Is this fool's gold when looking at the impressive running numbers tonight? Or do you actually have optimism that this can be a team that, you know, can actually be competent in the run game? I think what I... Look, they, they've been competent most of this year, so I, I don't completely rule it out. Obviously, it was easy to pick on Clyde's seven carries for zero yards last week in a loss. Um, but they only gave it to him seven times. The thing I liked about tonight is for his, for whatever, nobody nobody runs against the Bucks like that. They chose Pacheco because they chose to hammer them, Nick. That's why Pacheco got the ball. They were like, we're going to hammer him. We're going to run it right up their throat. And we're going to use our offensive line to do it. To me, that is the, like what you were asking is like, do we feel confident they could be good in the running game? Because I thought part of their problems in the running game last week, or they they blocked poorly. Yeah, some of it is a guy misses a hole or whatever, but they blocked poorly. They didn't do a good job creating running opportunities for those guys. 
And today that was not it. But the Brett Feach stuff, look, I, I questioned it early because he had a couple of drafts there where he was essentially getting no starters out of it and nobody at key positions. So no defensive ends, no wide receivers. And look, I still got question about wide receiver. So we'll see how Sky Moore goes. But I don't know. Karloftis has continued to pretty much look like the goods. So I have a hard time arguing with that. And uh, pretty much everyone else has worked. 14, I think I gave this stat uh, on an earlier show, either in this show or the one back in KC. But 14 of the last 16 players he drafted are on this current roster. Do you know what kind of wacky hit rate that is? Because, and again, it's not just that, like, some of them are on the roster and it's like, okay, wow, kudos, right? Joshua Kando, he doesn't play. So, I'm, you know, I'm giving him a pass. Like, great. But a majority of them are actual players. And in this year, he found two guys in the seventh round that play real time, meaningful minutes for this team. And yeah. they're seemingly using Brian Cook more. And then Sky Moore got more involved today. And Trent McDuffie was a starter before his injury. And, you know, it's like, well, it's really starting to build up. I have a hard time saying if you have like six contributors out of one draft, that's a home run before we even get anywhere along, before we even begin the conversation, Nick. So it, it's hard. I've, I've been critical, but not in a long time because it sure seems like whatever the early problems in his drafting there were, they don't exist anymore. By the way, here's a little nugget for you. The last time the Bucks gave up this many rushing yards in a game, was week 15 of 2018. Oh my god, that's so It has been long that was ago. that was Dirk Cutter was the head coach. Jameis Winston was the starting quarterback. That was the first year that Patrick Mahomes was a starter in the NFL. That's the last time the Bucks gave up this many rushing yards in a game. It was just one of those like I feel really good. Better than probably after that Cardinals game in the moment. Even though in the Cardinals game, it was like both, right? The defense completely shut them out. And the offense, like the, the defense gave a little bit tonight. But it doesn't matter. It just like they poured it on offensively. Yeah. And their defense isn't so bad that it's the Rams. Chiefs from 18, like you just mentioned in the year, right? It's not that. They're never going to be that this year. So if they're just pouring it on one of those games, then it's a lock. It's a complete lock. That's how we felt tonight. It was just one of those games, again, where you're designed to feel good. Mahomes doing spectacular things, the defense getting turnovers, the special teams immediately redeeming themselves and then making every kick. You're like, oh, this is nice. I like it when the special teams doesn't just completely unravel and cost this team a game. I'll tell you this. If the offensive line continues to block like they did tonight, there's no reason why yeah. the Chiefs shouldn't be able to continue having success on the ground. And if that happens, it quells a lot of concerns that you have about the offense. Because yeah. when you can get when you can get five yards of carry, knowing that's never going to be your bread and butter offensively. But if you know that, like, here's the other thing we do sometimes, if that can be effective as well, it makes life so much easier on Patrick Mahomes in this passing attack. It's the it's the cliche, but it's the happy learn to putt. It's like if they can run, yeah. you're like. Yep. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> now what do we guard? You're like, I don't know. Have fun. Bye. Good luck. Because the Patriots are always good at that. Like, we, we try to compare them to all those things. But when you have a great quarterback, very few of them have that kind of complimentary run game. And at least for one game, 
the Chiefs absolutely had it. We'll be back with you guys coming up on Wednesday. We'll get you another episode as we get ready for that Monday night game against the Raiders. Another divisional game. Big matchup, obviously, is the Chiefs first six games of the schedule were there. I'm Cody Tapp. He's Nick Schwartz. Kayla Kinnear will be back with us on Wednesday. We'll talk to you then on It's Always Game Day in Kansas City.